0: Hello and welcome back to episode five of the Texas Private School Podcast. I am one third of your hosting crew, Wes Tolleson. Yet again, I'm joined by my friends Walker and Ryan. Guys, how are y'all doing? Doing well. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing, Walker?
1: I'm doing good. Doing good. Almost the end of this year. You know, getting ready for 2021.
0: Yeah, thank God 2020 is almost over. We won't get into that as we're not a current events podcast. But uh, we, from the Texas Private School podcast, genuinely hope that all of you had a safe holiday season and hope 2020 is rounding out well for y'all. In terms of this episode, we're actually going to take some topics that y'all wanted to address and speak on them. Because we put it out on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, some stuff, because we knew we were going to have some time to fill in between Uh, basketball starting and state ending and we got some of y'all's questions and topics that y'all wanted us to cover and the first one we're actually going to look at is something that's very interesting and all of us can comment on are the all district and all state lists and this is a controversial topic every year it comes out regarding taps and i'm not going to go too far into this there's so many rabbit holes i can go down however if someone was to say that TAPS and TAPS coaches always got the all-district and all-state list right, they would be a straight-up liar. Uh, there are so many controversies regarding this every year. However, there are some things that we can dive into and dissect a little more clearly now that they're out. Uh, one of the first questions is, or the first things we can comment on is, is it harder to be, or how much harder is it to be all-district, all-state in the north region? and that's not, to, that's not to play down the South at all, and it's a controversial topic, but uh, there are some people on Twitter and people in, within the TAPS community that said that there are guys in the North that would be all-state if they played in the South, but didn't get anything regarding all-district because of the division they played in, and that's Division One and Division Two. However, Walker, I'll pass it to you first. Do you think there's any validity regarding this claim? I mean, I honestly do think so. I think if you go down the
1: just the collegiate talent that's coming out of there is ridiculous and looking through like just the backs by themselves there's multiple multiple running backs that are made second team like all district just because they're there's so much talent in the north and you know if you go and put them down into the south like those guys would be first team all district any day of the week but with the division one talent that's there like in the north it's ridiculous and so it, it just makes it for the guys not getting the exact awards that they deserve. And it, it, it's rough, but I think don't, I don't, I'm not discrediting the South. I think the South has amazing talent through it through and through, but I, you have to understand that it's just right now, the talent is so much above in the North.
0: I agree. And i said before, I think there's a lot more, there's a lot higher concentration of talent, around the dfw and metroplex area and the north as a whole however that's not discounting the south because there's a lot of talent in the houston area as well however for the past couple years there has been a lot more of that finding itself in the north region uh ryan do you agree with both of us or do you have
2: anything else to add i was just gonna say when it comes to like the north and the south and i think you're gonna see this from a lot of guys in the north uh, they'll think just because of how the South plays every year and, and all the divisions that have, whether it be division one or division two or, or division three of that uh, factor, you always think that the North players are so much higher because of the skill that you see all designated in the Dallas area. And the fact that in the South, there's only a couple teams in each division, not just division two, which is what you think of immediately when you think of only two teams, but and most of the you know the South area, you only have a couple teams that spark out of there. So all these Dallas kids think that you know they're they're so much better and so much uh, so much greater because they think the teams are so much more talented. And that may be true, but at the same time, you it's such a difference, and these teams don't play against each other unless they're in the playoffs or whatever. So it's hard. It's really hard to get like a distinction whether these Dallas guys are truly better than all the Houston and you know, Austin players, you know? So it's a really hard distinction to make, but I think overall there are a lot of guys who are just basing that off of the fact they don't know how the other cities play, correct? Like, I think that's a good statement to make.
0: Right. Yeah, I have to agree. And also we saw this play out within our own podcast. I think there's a lot more wild cards in the South because since there's a lesser concentration of talent there, we don't know these top teams how good they really are because they just maul all of the teams below them. We saw that with Regents. Uh, we None of us really knew how good Regents were until they came out and shot D.C., and we picked D.C. all the way through the playoffs. So that's just a prime example of that. And also I think as time goes on, you're seeing a growing sense of regionalism and kind of the DFW area versus the Houston area, even in private and public school sports. So that's something to watch out for going forward and see if there's a growing divide between the areas of Texas. However, we'll move into Division One and focus in a little bit more. Uh, we're looking at some snubs here, and we see the, the biggest one by far is Parrish offensive lineman Austin U.K. got second-team All-District, which is an absolute crime. It might have been a crime if he got second-team All-State, but the fact he didn't get first-team All-District is just absolutely baffling. No one from the Parrish offensive line got first-team All-District, which if you watch any game this year and you saw – how comfortable Preston Stone was in the pocket. It's just completely baffling. So Walker, I'll hand it to you first. Do you think there's any reason or is there any reason you can come up with why no one from the parish offensive line got this recognition? I'm I I was shocked. I really was.
1: Um, you know, looking at like for the just in division one the district one for division one, I mean, Tommy and James, Brockenmeyer makes sense. Uh, the offensive lineman for you know the catholic makes sense. Don't uh you know, even the Preston would make sense, but Joshua Cobb from Midland Christian, I mean, as a sophomore making first team all district above a senior Austin Yuke. I mean, it's shocking. I mean I I watched Joshua's film and it was it was very good. Don't get me wrong. He'll be a great lineman when he gets like he still is getting there and he's still a good lineman now. But I mean I I, I think I don't know how you really go into these Do you because especially for linemen, do you just go off of talent because the, the, he should be up there again? Like, do you go off of, all right, how, t- how good their team did, then he should be on there too because they went all the way up to the state championship. Do you do that then? Do, like, how, how do you really rate these offensive linemen? Because if you're rated by talent, he should be up there. If you rate him on how good his team did, he should be up there too. So, it, it's, it's very difficult to rate offensive linemen, especially because, you know, they don't really have stats to help, besides maybe sacks given up. But, I don't know, I was very shocked about that. I think it was, just, it was shocking. I think, not even him, I think any of those offensive linemen for Paris should have been at least higher up. So, it, it, was, it was a complete shock to me of how they didn't get first team all-district.
0: Yeah, I'll have to agree. Before I comment
2: anymore, Ryan, what do you have to say on this whole situation? I agree with both the things you just said, Walker, especially the sophomore thing. I think the sophomore aspect of it is quite literally something that you have to take into account because I hate to be this guy and play the, you know, and play the what's called, play the seniority ranking and all that, but when it comes to these honors, it's kind of something that you have to put in there a little bit, because especially since it's taps too, and, and in all reality, Joshua Cobb has got two more years to play and he, he would have already been second team all district. Like that's still a very high honor to, to have second team all district. But the problem I see is when you got a senior who played a really great season this year and his team played a really great season, not giving him that, that spot along with the other great linemen that are on that list is kind of a shame because yes, Joshua Cobb can make first team all district and, And all state honors like the next like two years, but now um, he has to cut off a senior who tried really hard this year. And I think not not dishing on Joshua Cobb, but I think Austin UK is just just a guy, especially with how his team played this year. You you can't knock on that, right? You really can't.
1: And I think also you have to look into that. So how they do the ranking? So basically, I I was looking into this. So basically, if you are higher up than him, so Joshua Cobb was you know first team all district. Austin UK for the all state list can't pass him until he's on the list. So that's why Austin UK made honorable mention all state. And then Joshua Cobb made last there was the last rank for lineman on second team. So Austin could never pass him until he was put on, which I think is just shocking like how how are you supposed to put a guy who is the left tackle for Parish Episcopal state champion Parish Episcopal on honorable mention? who a kid who's had such a good season that he's been blown up getting power 5 offers every single week. I just think that's ridiculous because I I I I am I was just shocked. Like I I think that's insane that that kid can fall so low because it, I I just I don't get it man.
0: No, on the surface, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. However, everyone knows and anyone that follows TAPS knows there is a ton, and I mean a ton of politics that go into TAPS and all these all district and all state rankings. I'm not saying for a fact that's what happened here, but a lucky guess usually is if you're looking at this and something really just blatantly doesn't make sense, about 90% of the time, there's some level of politics involved. And, you know, again, these are these are coaches, um, these are human coaches voting on these awards, and they have flaws like the rest of us. So, you know, no one is completely free from that kind of bias. Um, another big thing was hamp Faye uh, didn't get anything on the all-district list, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Walker, didn't he commit somewhere recently? So
1: so he's been committed at least before his senior year to Michigan State. And this is one of the biggest things for this all-state for Division I especially. You had kids. You had Preston Stone who deserved, you know, first team all state uh, going to SMU. Then you have Maddox Cobb, who's going to Houston. You have Hant who's going to Michigan State. You have Daniel Greek, who's going to Mississippi State. You and you have River Rodriguez going to he's a junior, so he can go a lot of other places. You have five quarterbacks that honestly could go anywhere they want. Like big that's a pow- that's SEC. That's like big time colleges everywhere else. And you just don't you can't you take off Daniel Greek from All State, which I mean I get it cuz their their team didn't do high and he doesn't have the stats cuz he doesn't have the talent around him as much as these other teams do, so I get it. But it, it's shocking how good these quarterbacks are in Division 1 and, and like some of those guys don't even get recognized because of how good they are. So, I mean, him leading his team to that good of a ranking and then I believe the passing like almost what is it? 1,300 yards passing? I mean, that's a great season for Hamphay, and not even getting anything is kind of shocking, in my opinion. Um, I mean, I I, I think Maddox Cobb had a better season than him. I think that, of course, Preston Stone had a better season than him. I mean, I, I feel like he should have got recognized for how much he did for All Saints, especially in those last few games, beating, you know, those teams, to, and it, keeping it close with Nolan in the semifinals. I, I just feel like he should have got more recognized than he did.
0: Yeah, no, I have to agree with you there. I mean, but that's the thing is there's so there's so much talent looking at division one quarterbacks that it's honestly once you actually look into who he's going up against, it's almost hard to argue to take any of those guys out of the all district list. But Ryan, what do you have to add to this?
2: No, I totally agree. I, it's really hard to do that, especially when you're looking at everything, especially when you want to, especially when you you want to put all these guys up in the all state category too, right? You gotta you you, you do this on the all district, and you're already having a hard time in the all district, and then you have to choose between like only three, you can only pick three guys for all state. So obviously, Preston Stone deserve first team all state, and I I to get that, but you know how hard you have to look how hard was it to choose uh Mad- Mad- maddox cop over what's it called over R- river rodriguez like how hard was it to choose river rodriguez over the next guy on the list right i think that's something that uh you know maybe politics goes into a little bit or maybe it's just you know a hard, hard decision to make and you have to go what you basically if you give this guy first team all the district then you can't the the second team all this like that right so i i think there's a lot of that that goes into this but there's just like y'all said too many talented quarterbacks in the division this year 100 yeah
0: i completely agree and you mentioned river rodriguez and someone else i wanted to mention that we haven't mentioned before on the podcast or if we have it's been very briefly is his his running mate in the backfield brad evans who's a class of 21 linebacker and running back and I saw his name float around, and I decided to watch his film the other day because I hadn't looked a lot at it. And good Lord, how does he not have offers? Um, he, you need to go watch his film. Yet again, this is Brad Evans from Midland Christian. Um, he, His stats on the season, he had 157 rushes for 1,250 yards and 15 touchdowns. And uh, a comment on Twitter described him to be tough as a Waffle House steak. And if you've ever eaten a Waffle House, you know those things aren't soft. But, I mean, he's, a, he's tough as nails. He's a very, very hard and physical runner. And he's doing this against teams like Nolan Catholic and Parish, teams that could give a lot of public schools in Texas a run for their money. But I'll turn to our recruiting expert first, Walker. I mean, how do you think he's flown under the radar of so many colleges? Because as of now, he only has offers from, from Bella Parcio and Benedictine College.
1: I, I, I honestly cannot tell you. I
0: think watching his film, you understand
1: how talented this kid is. And it, it just it just shocks me. It really does. Um, the and it, like like you said, he you do you don't you're not he's not doing it against teams that are bad. Like he's doing it against solid teams that went far in the playoffs. Like he has twelve hundred rushing yards this year, more than most like any other back in all of taps. And it's he plays that and linebacker. Like that's shocking. He didn't get recognized even more than he did. I mean. G- Kids, a great player. Um, I like putting him like he was third. He was the third back on first team all state. I think that's honestly a good number for him because Grant Robinson had a great season. And I mean, it is Mika Megua, and he's one of the top backs, not just only in tabs, but I mean, in the state and then in the nation this class. So I mean, I understand that. But I think a good ranking for him is you know the third team, third person in that first team all state. I think that's good for him, but. The man should have so many more offers than he does. He's a great back. He, he's tough, like you said. He runs the ball well. I mean, that's a guy who's going to be very, very underrated in the state of Texas.
0: Yeah, I have to agree with him and River Rodriguez in that backfield for Midland. You can start to see why they've begun to be so successful, even as early on as they are in Division One. But, Ryan, do you have anything to add to Brad Evans and how he's uh, helped build this Midland team?
2: I 100% think that this Midland team was like uh, has shot up over the years. I mean, he's a senior this year, right? So he shot up over the years, and now and now as he is in his senior year. He definitely carried this team along the way, so I think that's something that you have to look at, especially as this Midland team has grown. Um, and we've said that in the past podcast how this Midland team has grown, and so I think you you see that a lot. But I would like to say this, and this is going back to how we talked about uh, 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 North versus South earlier. And this is just to touch on this real quick. If you look at the the Division One uh, All uh, First Team All State. Every those top three running backs that were the two running backs that were above Bradford Evans are still are still all three of them are on the first team all district uh, for what's called division one district one, which means that none of the district two guys even got in that top three conversation for the what's called for those backs. And I I don't want to like, you know, say anything about, you know, the the talent area versus the north versus the south. But when you see the three running backs top three running backs for all from the north. I think that's where you gotta, you kind of have to look at something. Well, you know, how does that stack up against each other? Also, saying that Bradford Evans really couldn't have gone any higher than he did. He had a, he was only competing with the guys that are in his same district, right? So, right. I I think that's something you always have to look at, and, and especially uh, with how good how good a guy does for a school.
1: Like yeah, Grant Robinson with the Furman, so that's a Division One running back, and Amika Mega is gonna go Power Five. As a running back like the top teams in the nation type running back so i mean having him as number three and you can count christian benson he you know first team athlete but i mean that that's he's a running back he's a receiver whatever you want him to be but having him also up there with him i mean it's impressive um yeah i think that's like you're like we've been saying underrated guy in the state not just in private school but in the state of texas
0: yeah, exactly, and again, we brought up a lot there, and it's a lot to digest, but actually after that lengthy analysis to Division One. we're going to move into Division Two and look up and kind of pinpoint some things here. Um, uh, D.C. ran away with everything in District Two, and probably deservingly so. I mean, they just absolutely blitzed everyone in that division, and, you know, you can't really argue uh, too much there. Uh, I want to say something, first of all, um, in terms of District Two linebackers, uh, Smith Pruitt got from Grace got the first spot on the second team, and I'm looking at the five people ranked ahead of him, and I'm not going to say names. But there are at least three of those that absolutely should not be ranked ahead of him. I watched Smith play in about six or seven games this season, and he was without a doubt, in my opinion, a first team running or a first team linebacker. However, I mean, it is what it is. There's a lot of politics involved, and only two of those are D.C. running backs. So I, mm, there there's some other kids that, you know, I'm not going to go into detail, but definitely should not be there. Um. Trevor Tazak from Regents ranked fourth in the district at running back is just absolutely absurd. I mean, I've watched that kid's film. Uh if you're gonna tell me there were three running backs better than him there, that is incredibly faulty. However, Walker, I'll hand it to you first. You know, is there anything that you want to hit on out of uh Division Two?
1: I I don't think I was really surprised
0: with anything. There's a lot of different like I think like he said, DC
1: ran away with a lot of them. Um I think the quarterback, TJ King, I think Maybe he didn't, like, he had a great season. I think, you know, maybe Drew Dickey's a better quarterback, and, you know, Carson Cross was a better quarterback than him. But, I mean, he led his team to the state championship. He had a great year. I mean, I think he finally found a matchup in, the, in a defense that could match his, like, talent uh and, you know, Regents in the state championship. So that's what happened when he didn't play as great. But, I mean, Carson Cross, honorable mention. I mean, I get it, but um I feel like he should have been higher for how good of a season he had but you can't really rank him over those two guys. So it just shows the talent in this thing. Um, I, I was surprised, you know, in the all state list, Alex Welch from Southwest Christian didn't make it, but I also understand that. Um, but I honestly really like, I don't think it was too terrible about, I, I think the, like the division two list is actually not terrible. Um, I was really like, I, I like most of the positions. Um, yeah, I think Mark Saunders has a number one back. I think that's a great choice. Um, Him, having him, then Sean Coleman. I, you could argue that Sean should have got the number one spot just for how good his team did, but Mark Saunders, almost a 2,000-yard rusher every single season he's played, so, I mean, got to give it to him. I'm happy Corey Harris made it the third. Eli Smith is a great back from Houston St. Baptist. He deserved it. I think that Trevor Tezak on the at least should have made second team. I think he should have made it at least into that. Um... Yeah, I think I think they kind of like messed him up in this all-state list, but I mean, I'm happy that you know, for at least my guys, Tyson Flowers got first-team like line, uh, first-team DB, and then Mark Simmons got first-team linebacker. I'm very happy with that. Um, but I, I yeah, overall, I'm very happy with the list. I mean, there's a lot of you can you can hear there type of things, but I I think they did a pretty good job.
0: Yeah, exactly. And something I want to hit on is um. T.J. King, I don't know how he wasn't listed as an athlete in these lists. I mean, I think people blatantly know he's not a true quarterback. He played running back for two or three years at D.C. and his primary his primary game is with his legs Um, in terms of all state quarterbacks. uh, Drew Dickey and Carson Cross are better true quarterbacks than him. And I right. think – I mean, I think he's getting a lot of this voting based on D.C. success, although Drew Dickey won state with Regents, so I don't really know where that comes in. However, it's not taking anything away from T.J. King. I think he should be first-team All-State. However, as an athlete, not as a quarterback. But, you know, it's just – it's just like you said, it's a little here-or-there things. There's not a lot you can nitpick. And if these are the things we're nitpicking, then honestly, Taps and the Taps coaches did a good job. However, Ryan, I see your boy Trey Purdue got the first, uh, got second team all state running back. Is there anything else you want to hit on?
2: So I like I, if I if I was gonna say something about Trey, I think Trey's a really. Um, I, I've seen him play over the years. I played basketball with him back in the day. I played football. I, 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 well, I've seen him play football over the years. He's really, he literally could have been like designated as an athlete himself. He is such a great player. Um, but if I'm being completely honest, I. I, I think I think looking at uh, Eli Smith, he's a really great player too. The thing is, um, Trey was so versatile over the year that he, when he played on the defensive side and the offensive side, he really showed out as the best player on that Lacy team. So it was kind of hard. Like if you had him go on the defensive side, making him do all that work on the offensive side too was kind of you know hard to do all that. But en- enough about that. I think I think Trey could have gone either way with Eli Smith. Eli is, is a um, junior. So, you know, you know, maybe there's something in that standard that you could have given it to Trey. But either way, I think Trey deserved um, it, it, where he was. He, he's got a great honor. Uh, but I was going to say this. A uh, couple things. First off, I love how, uh, uh, you know, uh, Dickey, Andrew Dickey, uh, like, you know, his his spot. I think he could have been first team uh, first team. Uh, I think we all can agree on that. Uh, depending on how you rank Tj king and how and what position you put him at. but well, the thing I want to mention and i've been I've been up on him the past like three weeks and what we've been talking, but Jacob Trimble was the number one wide receiver in all state as a sophomore. that 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 should just tell you to think about how good he's going to be the next two years. Not only is he better than his entire district as a wide receiver, He's better than the entire Division II as a wide receiver, as a sophomore. So I think that's a name you need to look out for. I think that's a name colleges need to look out for. Jacob Trimble is going to be a stud by his senior year, and I think that's something we all need to look out for, especially as we see uh, Drew Dickey and how he's going to be. He's only a junior, so I think we can already basically say if he has the same year that he does this year, next year, he'll probably be first-team All-State quarterback as well. So just looking at those younger guys.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I just did a quick scan. Jacob Trimble is the only sophomore on on this All-State list in terms of receivers. So he's kind of in a class by himself, and it'll be interesting to see if he can widen his level of dominance over the rest of the Taps Division II receivers his next two years in high school. However, we'll have to wait for the upcoming seasons to see if that plays out. Uh, We now move on into the Division III analysis, and this is kind of where – Everything hit the fan, so to say. Um, apparently, there's a lot of drama. There are people voting in the wrong districts. Apparently, uh, certain presidents controlling everything. And apparently, Covenant really got the short end of the stick because they had to quarantine for a couple of weeks, and that hurt kids' stats. However, it's stuff like you see Lake Country Christian got 12 first-team spots, where the, where, the, uh, where the state champs Covenant only got six. Um, and just a bunch of other stuff. I think looking at it, I think Jordan
1: Battles deserves a first-team All-State for a quarterback. I agree. He's the greatest, like, athlete. You could put him more as an athlete, honestly. But, like, I think as a quarterback, I think he deserved a first-team spot. I, I don't care what anybody says. Alexander, Alex Alex Lack should have been, you know, honorable mission or second-team All-State. He had a great season and one of the top players in Division three. But the fact that Austin Sheets was not on the honorable mention or second team or first team offense for All-State is ridiculous. And the same thing for district. I mean, Alex Lach deserved, you know, probably doing first team quarterback. But Austin Sheets as second team, I mean, it is, that is difficult to say. A guy who led his team to the state championship does not get anywhere on in Division three as an honorable mention quarterback. I think that's ridiculous. Um, he put up stats because the thing about it is, yeah, you can say for all states should talk about more as a playoffs and then instead of you know all district. All district, if you don't want to make him high, that's fine. But you cannot put the man because he played the whole playoffs and won all those games for that team and not put him at least as honorable mention is ridiculous. And there's a lot of covenant dudes that I think that got left off. I mean, the fact that nowhere I believe. I'm going to look through this just to make sure. Yeah. Nowhere on this honorable mention defense, first team, second team, honorable mention, is Ian Edda the man who led all of taps and sacks. That's ridiculous. And the, the, I, I don't care if he didn't play, only played four games in season, in district. The fact that he did that in four games in district should put him there in, anyways. Because if not, he would have beat the sack record probably for all of taps. I mean, that's, it's insane. Um, guys like that is it's ridiculous how they're not in there. I think that's something you need to look into because if you're not going to put him in all district because he didn't play the whole season, that's fine. But if you're going to, you have to put him at L state because he led his team all the way up there and he's only a sophomore doing this. I think that's insane. You have to put him up there.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Like I mentioned, Division three is kind of where you saw the wheels start to fall off the wagon in terms of integrity and, you know, smart voting in terms of the taps coaches. However, Ryan, I'll turn to you now. What do you want to hit on from Division three?
2: I think it's funny to see how it, yeah, we were just talking about Austin Sheets. Austin Sheets is such a great quarterback. He is such a great quarterback, and I, I know we've already we've already talked about enough of Austin Sheets on this podcast. I'm very high of him. I think very high. Um, and as you could see from our, our, our interview with him, he's a good guy too. He's a really good guy. Um, he has a lot to talk about and, and and uh and how and how good of a man he is. I think that's really hard to look at with his stats and with how he played and how he led this team, you still put him below some of these guys. But I want to say this when we're talking about Covenant players getting snubbed. Okay, if we're gonna say because he's a sophomore, he and he's a receiver, he doesn't deserve to be higher than uh, second team, uh, all, all state, but like at the same time, Jacob Trimble is first team all state, not saying that, you know, Jacob Trimble's insane. I just told you that, but Christian Wells is literally at the bottom of second team, uh, receivers in reality, I think him and him and Austin sheets combined probably led that team to the state championships. So, it's kind of hard to look at a, a wide receiver that was a part of that team that was like insanely good and then put him below all these other receivers just because what just because he is a, of, a, of a lower uh, of a lower like, you know, uh, grade level or a lower class because he's a sophomore. I think that's really hard to say, especially when you're putting some of these guys in. Yes, I don't know some of these guys super well that are on the receiver list above him, but in all reality, I think that it's really hard to go against a guy that went to state and a wide receiver that almost was on this like state path just because some guys are older than him in like in what's it called in like grade wise. So I don't know.
0: Yeah, exactly. It really doesn't make a lot of sense. And honestly, with situations like this and taps, uh, it's best not to think about it too much because the more you think about it, the more confusing and convoluted it gets. And it just really will put your brain in a freaking pretzel. However, one thing I want to mention, because it's closer to my home in East Texas is Dozy Effetti uh, being ranked the third best receiver in his district, who, I mean, far and away is the best receiver, at least, I mean, from a college talent aspect in that district, Uh, just committed to Lamar University in Beaumont and he got absolutely nothing all state which granted Gorman has been in kind of a tough spot for the past couple years and I think that's probably what these coaches were factoring into it because they've been in a rebuilding stage they're going through a program and regime change a little hard for them right now but the fact that that he got nothing all state is absolutely ridiculous to me he's He's a tremendous talent. He's a very good kid, and it just that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. However, I hope he gets the opportunity to take that out on uh, his opponents at Lamar. However, that is all of the analysis we have for Division Three, and now we'll move into another question asked by Caleb Corum. Actually, top uh, he wants us to analyze the top programs on the rise, and this was actually a fun project for us to look into because. You know there are several teams we've mentioned throughout us recording that you know a couple years ago were really in a down spot and you couldn't see much potential for them going forward and then bam out of nowhere they rise and they're competing for the state championships so the first team regarding that that i'll mention is the most obvious pick and then one that we have talked about the most before this and that's cypress christian Uh, Even though they moved from division two to division three, which means there's a drop in talent. They went from getting blown out every single game to playing for a state championship within a year. I think a lot of that is accredited to Chris Hogan and the coaching he has brought to Cypress. You know, I've been really high on them all year. However, Walker, I'll turn it to you first. I mean, how do you think they turned it around this quickly?
1: I mean, I think there was always talent there, and I think one guy we didn't really talk about in the all-district list a second ago was their quarterback, Maxwell Loundrum. That kid is a stud, and I think I talked about on last last podcast about that kid is only a sophomore and has a bright, bright future ahead of him. Um, having him at the helm for two more seasons at quarterback, I think he got very lucky going down there and having a guy like that to be there, but, I mean, having... They have talent. They already, they, they've always had guys but having now a coach that can really they can really rally around and coach him hard and coach him in a good way I think that's why you see that team be so dominant um and also besides like there's not many like the talent in DFW in Division 3 especially is much more talented I guess than more uh than the south so you know it was easier for houston to make that jump but i think it was they they still had to get together and be coached by a good court that coach to get out there so but i you know shout out to them i think they're gonna be there for a while
0: yeah without a doubt we've talked about them a lot so far in the previous episodes ryan what do you
2: have to add regarding cypress i think so i think what i've said all along with chris hogan i think chris hogan is an amazing coach and i think he did a great thing uh you know Switch. I, I think. I think switching from great fine faith after his after his son left is something that he probably thought about for a while. But bringing all of the talent that, or not not talent, but all the coaching staff that he brought over there, as well as the fact that he was, like we said, he got super lucky with a quarterback like that. And you have to say, you know, in the next couple of years that he's like, you can't knock on the fact that he's not going to be good when he has a quarterback for the next couple of years to go along with him. He's got his right hand man with him that he's gonna, you know. Gotta be able to coach for the next couple years and hopefully, hopefully, if they do well like they did this year, it'll be like an outside like uh, advertisement to other guys to come to that school and maybe, you know, have the same path, right? So I think that's something you gotta look at for the Cypress team.
0: Yeah, for sure. Walker, I'll hand it off to you for this one. Southwest Christian is another team that we've talked about, and a team that seems like it's trending upwards, and obviously that you have more knowledge regarding them than either of us do, so I'll let you lead off with them.
1: I mean, yeah like let's let's like look it back like all right my senior year we were three and seven i believe and didn't make playoffs the year after i left and some of my friends senior year they were first round against cedar hill trinity christian and that and it is what it is and then the year after that now they're in the semifinals placing facing dallas christian from there to there to there the jump that they have made is amazing um the coaching staff has changed here and there over the couple years since i've been there but they finally have a good coaching staff that rallies around coach Flowers. They have the school is like supporting them. They're ready to go and they have good guys, young guys that are going to make that jump again for next year. I mean, I say it again, I'll say it like I'll, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Having Tyson Flowers at the helm and then on offense and defense and then Mark Simons on offense and defense. Those two guys can get you far. And they have a lot of other young guys that are behind them on the lines, on the linebacking core, running backs. I think every one of those guys are going to be, they're hungry. Like, they're already telling me, that, like, you know, we're going to be there next year. Don't even, don't, don't trip. Like, it's going to be like that. And so, I, I, I'm happy for the dudes. Those guys are still, they're working now. They're getting ready to go. They're excited
2: for next year for sure.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. Ryan, you have anything to add regarding Southwest?
2: I, I think obviously the man you're going to want to talk to is Walker about Southwest Christian, but like, like, like I've talked about this, like I've talked about every single time he said Southwest Christian has, you know, has been on the rise ever since I left high school. And I think, you know, they're going to, they're going to be good in the next couple of years. So.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, Another team that has definitely trended up is uh, Waco Riker. Um, They went from going four and seven last year and getting bounced the first round of the playoff, uh, at the hands of Barry or Christian to, although I think they only went six and five this season, and that was due to a, to a bad start in, in non-district. They ended up making um, the state championship game, although getting beat by Shiner St. Paul, but that quick turnaround from getting bounced first round to making the state championship game is, is very impressive. Walker, I'll start with you. I mean, how do you think they turned it around this quickly?
1: I mean, Jake Booster was a big part of that. You know, he's he was the quarterback over there, and he's he's been there for a while. Um, he really helped that team win and overcome that like, like the adversity that is there. And you know, of course, having a transfer in of Eli Cummings there his senior year really does help. I mean, having a Division One kid in uh, Division Four is, is any any team would love to have that type of dude. He's he's a great player. Um, and that's that's a kid you really they're lucky they brought in and for not only for offense playing running back where he'll go play in college but he also really was a dominant player on defense for them too so um really like that's that's someone that you know they're gonna lose big time next year and i think jake is also a senior as well so we're gonna see how they can overcome those two guys leaving but um yeah that that's, that's a team for sure on the rise
0: yeah without a doubt ryan you want to say anything regarding rikers success
2: I thought I thought Riker was really good this past year. Obviously, we saw them with uh, at, you know make a run in the playoffs and stuff like that. So I think obviously Riker is a team they can play the same way they did they did this year and how they you know and how they pre- will proceed to do. I think they're going to be a good team.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. And the last team that we have to talk about regarding programs on the rise is Midland Christian, and it's not necessarily because of how they've done. Because um, they were bad like a couple years ago, because they've been solid for the past couple years, but it's because that they dropped or they moved up a division because they just completely dominated Division Two forever. And they just made the jump to Division One, I, I think, two or three years ago. And they've held their own very well since they've been in there. Uh, they just, this past season, a couple weeks ago, made it to the semifinals of Division One where they got beat by Parrish, which is not something to frown upon at all. But Ryan, I'll turn. I'll hand it to you first. Uh, how do you think Midland has been able to keep this level of success, even when the talent around them that they're playing
2: has grown? I think you, they, they're they reloading and I, and part of that is because they are in Midland and like you know that's one of kind of the only private schools out there and all that so when you look at it a lot of those guys that don't succeed in those or uh, like you know want to go play on a different level at, and in the public school area they want to go to a private school Midland's kind of one of the only answers and so but there's a lot of talent over there right and so there's guys like you see I'm gonna talk about this right now for the future success for this team you got like we, like we had a conversation earlier we didn't really know how good Joshua Cobb is, but saying that Joshua Cobb's you know, above Austin UK, he must be good, right? He must be a good lineman. And so having him for the next two years is going to be great. Obviously you got River Rodriguez for a whole another year, which is just another guy in a senior year that's going to bring on an absolute load for this team. I mean, you're talking about the quarterback of this team. That's going to, you know, uh, be successful. You got his, you know, right-hand man Ch- Chandler Carraway, um, who's going to be his wide receiver. That he's going to look out to this entire year. I think it's guys like that. And a team like, you know uh is it's just they've gotten so much threat on the offensive side that i think they're going to be successful this next year especially that you know that caraway or rodriguez um you know duo right there so um yeah. obviously midland is you know grown over the years and i don't think there's you know i think i think this next year is a great chance for them to prove that they are a top dog so
0: yeah, exactly. I like how you mentioned that. Midland is historically, I mean, a tremendous area for football. It's out in West yeah. Texas, and there's not a lot to do out there except go out and hit each other running full speed. So that might be why they're so good. And like I mentioned, uh, that duo this year of Rodriguez and Brad Evans, I mean, really, really hooked them into another gear. However, Walker, handed hand it off to you here. What do you have to say regarding Midland Christian and their sustained success?
1: I think like you really talk about it. like Midland's always been historic. You know they have you know Friday Night Lights of Odessa Permian always out there, and they've had great programs as you know Midland High and then Midland Lee. Those public schools have always been dominant in that area. Um, but Midland Christian, even when they were in Division Two when we they played all of us, I mean they were dominant then. They were dominant now. Um, they've always had guys, and they always will have guys. Um, it's it's how they if they can get enough guys to really overcome these teams in DFW. Um, In the past couple years, they've been close. I think with River Rodriguez at the helm for at least one more year, I think he's going to make every push he can to overcome that hill. Um, And even like, I know we talked about how Joshua Cobb should have made, you know, the All-State list, but I mean, having a guy like him as a sophomore... And he's only going to get better. And you really you really find your groove, your junior and senior years. I think that's going to be a guy on the offensive line who's going to be down it for them. Um, just like a lot of other guys that are young, um, they have some dudes that are going to be there for sure. Um, and I think just on the rise, that, t- that program is definitely on the rise in private school football.
0: Yeah, I completely agree it'll be interesting to see how Midland and the other three teams that we named uh, will continue to carry forward as they've all appeared to establish very solid cultures at their respective schools, and we'll see if those cultures hold as players flow in and out of the programs. And now we're actually going to move into our final segment, which is the class of 22 linebacker rankings. So kids are going to be seniors in high school this next coming year. And this is actually a very talented linebacker class, in my opinion. And at number one, we see Vincent Page from Nolan Catholic, who is seems to be the clear favorite for number one in this linebacker class. Um, he can line up a defensive end as well. You saw him do that a lot this season. He's very rangy and fast. He can he can cover both ends of the field very easily. Um, good luck scrambling on him. Uh, he even has a kick return touchdown if you want to see his athleticism. Um, he has offers currently from Baylor, can, uh, Kansas, Syracuse, Yukon, and Houston. And look for him to pick up some more as the season goes on. Uh, at number two, you see Jackson Berry from Plano, Plano John Paul II. Uh, He's very physical. I think he's the most physical linebacker in this class. He's a very hard hitter. He's very talkative as well. He and appears to be the emotional leader of the team and kind of especially the captain of that defense. You can tell who the top dog is there. Uh, At number three, we see Matt Freeman from Trinity Christian Cedar Hill. And he's very explosive in his own right. He has a quick first step. He can also line up at defensive tackle or edge rusher like Vincent Page does. Uh, he's very good at forcing fumbles. His technique is very good. And he knows how to punch the ball out. So it appears he specializes there. Uh, number four, we see Keegan Addison from Parish Episcopal. And I actually got the chance to watch him play in the championship game against Nolan Catholic, and both Walker and I can agree. I think that he is very good in his own right. Um, he's a smart linebacker. He's incredibly patient. I think he's the most disciplined in his reads out of this entire group. He's very, very good at filling the hole and a terrific form tackler. So this is your guy that's incredibly, incredibly smart and plays great technique out of this class. And rounding out the top five, what I'll discuss on is Sean Kane from the Woodlands Christian Academy. Uh, He's very, very physical like other guys I've mentioned so far. He's a headhunter. Uh, like Vincent Page, but even more so in his own right, he can stretch the entire field in order to make plays. So out of those top five guys I mentioned, uh, you see a lot of diversity. You see headhunters. You see rangy guys. You see guys that are incredibly smart and make great reads. So, I mean, just talking about those top five, that kind of makes me excited to see the rest of the class. And I'll hand it to you, Walker, first. Out of the top five guys I mentioned, is there any one you want to comment on more?
1: I mean – Watching film I was very, I was very very impressed with Jackson Barry. You know, I, I've already talked a lot about Vincent page So I'm not gonna really mention him a lot here, but Jackson Bear is a dog He moves left to right well his lateral movement is extremely good and when he finds a hole he hits it strong And that's what I think that's very that's something you need for a linebacker um, Like he, he makes good reads. He his IQ is really well. He's really good. Um, I was very impressed with him I uh, I really like Sean Kane too. Sean Kane is a very big time dude. I mean, with the, at the school he really plays at, you know, he's not probably not going to get as much recognition as a lot of these other guys. But, I mean, I think he's very talented, 6'1", 215, great player. Um, that's He's going to be one of the kids that, like in the South that's going to be very, very high.
0: I agree. Ryan, is there anyone in the top five that you want to comment on?
2: Well, i was just going to say when you got three three guys all in division one you know you start to see how this factor is going to be a very linebacker heavy uh division one next year with the talent that there is especially when these teams go up against each other it's going to be fun to go watch them play because they're going to have so much talent on both sides of the ball um when you when you're sitting there but i was going to say um something about the woodlands uh, sean kane uh, you know, when you when you are able to make the top five as a linebacker and you're in Division three, that should show something. And I think, that, like like you said, Walker, not a lot of these you know schools may be looking um, too far in depth into like a Division three standard. But when you got a guy like Sean Kane who's got the body for it, I think there's something that you should stay when you're looking for a linebacker. Um, I, I think we will start to see him on the rise this year in Division three. Hopefully, he basically just you know is a stud out in division three. Hopefully he just leads that entire division. Um, but you know, definitely to look out for obviously Vincent Page is in a class of his own. In my opinion, I think Vincent Page is going to be one of the stars to come out of, um, taps and you'll definitely hear his name in the future. hundred percent you will. Um, but yeah, no, definitely a lot of talent, definitely a lot of talent in division one. And then, uh, obviously Matt, uh, Matt Freeman don't know uh, enough on him to comment, but, um, you know, Trinity Cedar Hill obviously is always loaded with good guys. So um, I expect him to be just as good as the rest of those guys that come out of that school.
1: Uh, I think like knowing, knowing just recruiting more, I think in the past couple of years, linebacker in the state of Texas, just private and public have not been elite. I mean, they really haven't been the tip top as, as other states have. And that's why you see a lot of the, this big time colleges kind of go out of state, but The class of 22, private and public, is very good. And I think it's probably the best it's been in the past five, six years. And I think a a lot of schools in the state are going to be looking for guys and linebackers inside of the state of Texas. And guys like Vincent Page, Jackson Berry, Matt Freeman are going to be a a part of those dudes that are going to be at the top of those lists. It's one guy that is not talked about a lot because he transferred from Bishop Dunn to Duncanville this year was Jordan Crook. He's probably one of the top five ten linebackers in the state and he was going to be a stud at bishop dunn this year but decided to move out and go to B- duncanville and that's just another guy that out of duncanville i mean, uh sorry out of bishop dunn that left then went to other places. you know there's a lot of other guys that i can mention but that he's one of those top tier linebackers that he probably would have been number one but he left um so it shows that sometimes like the transfer portal of taps and everything about it like you have guys leave and you have guys come in, and he was one of those guys that left this year.
2: Yeah, exactly. Oh, sorry, going, Ryan. I was gonna say when Dunkavil's taking your players, they must be good, right? Like when when Dunkavil won, some of your guys. Yeah, I think I think obviously that's you know fun to see this year. Uh, the, like you said, the linebackers are gonna be so much better. But what were you gonna say?
1: I think one of the biggest things oh, for us, was so say. the quarterback for Dunkavil is Grayson James. Uh, so he was the guy who brought uh, John Paul II a couple years ago to the state championship and lost to Parrish, sadly. But that's not the point. The point is that his for his senior year, because their quarterback, uh, Chris Parson, left and went to Red Oak, he transferred to Duncanville. And he is now going to probably lead them to a state championship over there. They're playing DeSoto. And I don't care if you like public school, private school, or not. Someone go watch that DeSoto-Duncanville game. I'm going. I'm going to have a great time. It's gonna be a great time matchup and go watch and the biggest time was grayson james tweeted out when he beat i forgot exactly who one one week this year uh i think he was beating cedar hill and he said oh yeah i can do more than just taps like that's something that like everyone you know kind of says oh yeah i'm just a taps private school kid i can that's why i'm that good and he tweeted out saying oh yeah i can i'm that good of a player like i don't it's not private school ball it's also public school ball i can do that And I think that shows the talent that is in TAPS, that those guys can go dominate private school and then go and dominate public school as well. And that's why you kind of have to remember, oh, yeah, these kids are just as good in private school. So I think that's a big-time thing. Um, I want to know, future down the episode, I'll talk about the transfer portal because there's a lot of guys that leave and go. But I think just mentioning a linebacker like Jordan Crook, I think that's someone you have to remember.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I really liked how you brought up the transfer portal of Taps, and that's something that we can definitely touch on down the road. However, just for the sake of time, we can't do it right now because we could right. literally spend an entire episode doing that. However, I will I will name the rest of the top ten linebackers starting with number six, uh, Carson Hints from Houston Saint Pius. At number seven, you have Weston Benson from Austin Regents at number eight you have mark simmons walker's boy from southwest christian at number nine we see felipe tristan from bullard brook hill and at number 10 we see aiden carpenter from argyle liberty so guys i just mentioned the uh, the rest of the top 10 linebackers in the class is there anyone that i just mentioned or anyone that i didn't that you want to touch on before we move on to- for me okay so weston Good benson man. Weston Benson and Mark Simmons,
1: if you go to the All-State this year, and, you know, this is seniors and sophomores and juniors, West, Mark Simmons was number one rated linebacker in Division Two, and Charles uh, Weston Benson was ranked number four. And also Graybill Grubbs was number two. Those are all three juniors guys who were the first team All-State for linebacker. So that's a big-time depth in Division Two in the junior class. It's going to come up and be dogs their senior year. Um I think I think both all those kids are going to be great time players. Um going to be going to be guys that are going to go play college ball. Absolutely. And they have the size, they have the build, they have the speed, they have the IQ. Um those guys. I think a lot of these guys in the top 10 are going to be big time dudes. They're going to go play college ball for sure. Um other guys, I think the the Grant uh, Harlson for Ben Christian. That uh, guys I remember watching him play. He was a, he was a good player um Jonte wise i mean backing up eric franco the stud linebacker at uh nolan i mean that's a guy that you have to look out for i think tj lucas uh the dallas christian boy he's gonna be another big one too um there's a lot of them uh it's 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 a very deep class i think and it's gonna be exciting to see how good they are this year
0: yeah no i definitely have to agree there uh that's all we actually have regarding the 22 linebackers. And that'll wrap up the rest of the segments we're trying to cover today. Um, we actually have some really big ideas moving forward. And I'll hand it off to Walker, who's been doing a lot of work behind the scenes, to at least preview that. So
1: we we have this idea. And, you know, with awards, you know, award the season coming up, what we want to do is kind of do – like this award show and it's it's a it's an idea that i think it's going to it's going to take a lot of production it's going to take a lot of work and we want to do it right for these dudes and you know texas private school guy tweeted out the other day their player of the year small and large but i was like let's take this a step further and we want to do all for all divisions we want to do one division one two three and four and taps and spc as a whole of guys that are going to be you know mvp coach of the year newcomer of the year offensive player of the year defensive player of the year etc and there's a lot more and we want to do uh like kind of all americans for private school of first team all like all private school second team all private school honorable mention private school and we're looking into that right now doing the things and hopefully we the thing about it is we want to get these guys something to honor them and we're looking into like trophies but right now of course because we're up and coming we don't really have a lot of uh we're not making revenue from this it's more just to shout out these guys so one of the things we're looking into is sponsors and if any of y'all if there's dads watching this if for companies if there's you know coaches watching this if there's trainers watching this anything if y'all are very interested in wanting to sponsor this event please reach out to me uh my dms are gonna be on the screen uh that you can go contact the private school instagram twitter all that because I think it's something we need to do, but we need kind of funding for these trophies because I want to give something for these kids to actually be recognized. You know, you're going to have the big time guys get honored anywhere, but there's a lot of these kids that, you know, they'll have their all district selections, but that's really it. And I want, I want a lot of these good kids to be recognized more, but if I want to make it better, I, I, we do need, I don't, I don't, I hate asking for money, but we do need some form of like something to fund this show and please reach out to me if you if you want to support it and then also if y'all we've thought about doing a patreon that is something we're in the works so if uh if y'all want to donate there it's gonna be down below hopefully if we can get enough funding and it actually goes into something hopefully next week uh, i can release the nominees and we'll do this really cool thing and we'll have an award show it'll be legendary we're we're gonna dress up it's gonna look awesome uh, it's going to be a really cool thing. And I think it's going to be something really special I wanted to be something these guys really are found, fond of, and can like be proud of. So, um, that's really it. Um, please. Yes. If you, if you want to sponsor, please, please reach out, uh, and let, let us know if you want to do anything. Thank you.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, we've been watching this process fold out as uh, Walker's showing us some of the stuff and the ideas that he's had. And both Ryan and I can attest, uh, this is something that we want to do that if done correctly, will look incredibly, incredibly good. However, like most startup businesses, Uh, we're not limited by creativity we're limited by capital and we don't, like Walker was saying for these ideas to get off the ground we need a little bit of funding to make that happen but I guarantee you if we get that and if we have adequate funding to make these ideas happen it will be done incredibly well and you will not be at all disappointed by the job that is done so please if you are interested in sponsoring the show please contact Walker, contact any of us and just get in contact with us And we'll move forward and see how that works out. However, if that is actually all the material that we want to cover, I've been one third of your hosting crew, Wes and Walker Lott, Ryan Schroeder have been themselves. Guys, thank you yet again. We will see you in the next episode. Peace.